Section 1 of The Meadow Sprite and Other Tales of Modern Germany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Gallagher. The Meadow Sprite and Other Tales of Modern Germany. The Meadow Sprite by Rudolf Baumbach. Translated by Gertrude R. Schottenfels. There was once a young professor who, despite his youth, was so very wise and learned that when the seven wise men of Greece chanced to visit that part of the world and entered into a discussion with him, they appeared like schoolboys in comparison. One bright spring morning, the same professor went out into the country to hear the grass grow, an art which he also understood. He wandered about among the light green foliage of early May and watched the butterflies, those bright wonders of the air, flitting about among the daisies. He heard the crickets in the grass, and the birds among the boughs, and the frogs in the meadow brook, all singing their song of love and spring. Suddenly he thought of his native village, which he had left many years before to enter the university, and, thinking of that, recalled to his mind the little dark-browed maid who had given him a gingerbread heart, and who, to his great surprise, had shed bitter tears at parting and a strange longing awoke in the professor's well-regulated heart. Next morning, the same longing moved him to pack his clothes, take up his gnarled staff, and to wander out of the city gates into the green world beyond. Three days later, he spied the blossoming fruit trees and the steeple and blue-tiled roof of his native church, and borne on the breeze, there was wafted to him the soft, sweet chimes of the belfry. I wonder if she will remember me, he said to himself. It is hardly to be expected, I fear, and no doubt I shall have difficulty in finding the former little Gretchen among the eighteen-year-old girls of the village, but her eyes, her coal-black eyes, will surely disclose her to me, and if only I chance to find her sitting on the stone bench in front of her door, I will just walk up to her, and the rest will follow quite naturally. Whereupon he tossed his hat up in the air, and gave such a shout that his own voice frightened him. Then he looked around him sheepishly, fearful lest someone had witnessed his foolishness. But with the exception of a field mouse, fleeing hastily to the shelter of its hole, not a living creature was to be seen. With heart beating high with hope, he entered the town. The chimes were silent now, but he heard instead the strains of violin and flute. A wedding procession was wending its way through the narrow village streets. The bridegroom, a young and stalwart peasant, looked as proud and happy as if the whole world were his. The bride, decked in snowy array, held her eyes modestly downward beneath her bridal wreath, but once, just as they were passing the professor, she raised her lids for a moment, and those large coal-black eyes told him instantly who it was walking beneath that gleaming wreath, and the poor fellow turned on his heel and, all unrecognized, retraced his steps. It was high noon. The field shone green and gold in the sun, and where the streamlet flowed, thousands and thousands of glistening sparks danced upon its surface, all creation rejoiced in the light and warmth, all but the poor professor. Today the bright light seemed to hurt his eyes, and he shielded him with his hand as he strode onward. After going some distance, he was joined by a traveler who seemed to be returning from a long, long journey, for he looked like a walking cloud of dust. Good friend, quoth the stranger, the sun dazzles your eyes, does it not? The other replied that it did. Well, if such is the case, I know of no other better remedy than these smoked glasses which I wear. Try them once. With these words, he removed them from his eyes and handed them to the professor. The latter, just to gratify the amiable stranger, 
adjusted the sad-colored glasses to his eyes and sure enough they instantly ceased smarting the sunshine lost its bright glare the meadows dotted here and there with red blue and yellow flowers the trees and bushes and even the blue sky overhead turned to a dull and cheerless gray all of which seemed eminently appropriate to the disappointed scholar are your glasses for sale he inquired they are in good hands returned the stranger and i have another pair with me keep them i pray you as a remembrance my dear professor what you know me cried the other may i ask who i am finished the stranger my name is spleen farewell and with these words he withdrew into a field path and was soon lost to view the professor however fastened the glasses more securely on his nose and continued his homeward way many years had passed since the events just related and the professor had grown to be a crusty old bachelor who had forgotten how to enjoy anything he still made excursions into the country but the green trees and glowing flowers no longer attracted his notice he plucked the flowers by their roots carried them home where he pressed and dried them then he laid the flower mummies between gray blotting papers and wrote their names in latin underneath this was his one enjoyment if enjoyment it may be called once in one of his wanderings he came to an out-of-the-way valley where a little brook ran merrily along and turned the mill and since he was very thirsty he asked the old woman who was sunning herself before the door if she would please give him a drink the old dame rose at once and offered him her seat while she went inside for the drink a few minutes later a young girl emerged from the house with bread and milk in her hands which she set before the stranger at the door he wished very much to see if she were ugly but it was impossible for him to tell through his smoked glasses and he did not wish to remove them for fear the sun would hurt his eyes in silence he ate the proffered food and as the miller's daughter refused to take pay for it he extended his hand in farewell and went on but she stood still looking after him until he disappeared among the bushes then she went back into the house wondering what had befallen the sad-looking stranger the meadow valley must have fostered some rare plants on its grassy bosom for exactly three days afterwards he came that way again and again he called at the mill then he took to calling regularly every few days and soon became a welcome guest he brought the old grandmother sugar coffee snuff and some other sensible gift and always entertained the miller with edifying conversation but never once did he offer to exchange a word with the miller's golden-haired daughter but contented himself with watching her every move through his gray glasses this did not escape the miller's notice you may be very sure and he often slightly nudged his mother who nodded her gray head comprehendingly one day as the professor left the mill and was walking along the edge of the meadow he noticed a mole caught in a trap endeavoring to struggle itself free from the death snare the kind-hearted man went over freed the little prisoner and set it on the ground then man and mole each went his way but that same evening as he sat in his study a bat flew in the professor's open window this was no uncommon occurrence but on the back of this particular bat there sat a little elf man no larger than your thumb he dismounted in front of the astonished man and made a sweeping courtesy what do you wish asked the scholar in not too friendly tones go to some half-witted writer and leave sensible people to work undisturbed the elf however took it all in good part he drew nearer seated himself upon the inkstand and said nay do not chide me or drive me away since i have come in all friendliness this morning you rescued me from an evil plight i was the mole you released from the trap really and pray 
What is the character you now assume? asked the scholar, looking at the little man attentively through his spectacles. It was a very elegant little figure indeed, and if the professor had not had on gray glasses, he would have observed that the little man was clad in a green coat and bright yellow cap. I am Ranunculus, the meadow sprite, rejoined the midget. My servants tend the plants and grasses. Some of them wash the plants with dew, others comb them with sunbeams, and still others carry nourishment to their roots. These latter I wished to surprise at their work this morning, and disguised myself as a mole, so as to be unrecognized by them. While in this form I fell into a trap, from which you rescued me. Therefore I have come here to thank you, and to offer you a service in return. Let me hear what it is, said the other. You are a very learned man, continued the other. You know all the flowers and plants that grow on the mountains and fields, and in the forests and meadows. But there is one plant you do not know. What is it? asked the professor, now all attention. It is a little flower called heart's ease. No, I do not know it, admitted the professor. Well, I do, said the elf, and I will tell you where you may find it. If you follow the mill-pond, with which you are already acquainted, to its very source, you will come upon some rocks, among which there is a cave, which is said to be a dwarf's cave. There, just before its entrance, the flower, heart's ease, blooms. But, mind you, it blossoms only on the Sunday following Pentecost, and only at the hour of sunrise. But whosoever is on the spot at that magic hour may pluck the blossom. Have I made myself clear? Fully, replied the scholar. Then fare thee well, said the elf-man, mounting his winged steed, and he flew straight away through the open window, leaving the professor rubbing his eyes in amazement and wondering if he were really awake. Finally he shook his head and buried himself in a volume bound in parchment. A few days after, the miller's pretty daughter and her grandmother were sitting before the door spinning. It was the hour of twilight, and as their wheels whirred round, the old dame was telling the young girl of Lady Bircha, the good spirit of the South, who had rewarded industrious spinners by presenting them with huge knots of flax, which afterwards changed into yellow gold, and other of her marvelous doings. She also related the story of the sleeping man of the dwarf's cave, who was under a magic spell, and must sleep on till awakened by some maiden's kiss. Only once every hundred years did he become visible, and then, should some maiden be on the spot with three kisses, she could break the magic spell and become his bride as a reward. So the old dame spun her stories, and the pretty granddaughter spun them still farther, as though they were the threads of flax revolving through her slender fingers. The stars rose in the heavens. It was the blossoming time of the elder, and presently their sweet scent overcame the maiden, and she could scarcely keep her drowsy lids open. So she sought her chamber and retired. In the night it seemed to her that a little elf-man, wearing a green coat and a golden cap, appeared to her, and regarding her in the most friendly way, said, You lucky child, for you and no other is the treasure of the cave destined. Tomorrow is the day upon which the sleepy man of the cave becomes visible. At sunrise he may be seen slumbering at the entrance of the cave, and if you will not be timid, but will kiss him three times, the spell which binds him will be broken, and he will be your own. But be very careful not to speak a word, nor even let a sound escape you while breaking the enchantment. For if you do, the slumberer will sink three thousand fathoms beneath the earth, and be obliged to sleep another hundred years ere he can be released. Thus spake the elf, and vanished. 
the maiden awoke and rubbed her eyes and through the slats of the shutters beheld the first gray streaks of dawn a sweet odor as of new-mown hay filled the room then the girl arose and dressed herself and softly left the room and the house she went along carefully holding up her long dress from the dewy grass till she reached the dwarf's cave the forest birds began to sleepily bestir themselves and tune their throats in the branches overhead the white mist sank to the ground and disappeared in long streaks across the meadows and the tops of the pine trees gleamed golden in the sunshine there stood the miller's daughter before the entrance of the cave and there on the mossy stone sat a man fast asleep just as the elf had predicted she almost screamed aloud so closely did the slumberer resemble the professor yes even to the smoked glasses which he wore upon his nose fortunately she remembered the sprite's warning and noiselessly but with fast-beating heart she made her way to his side piously resolving to break the spell which bound him nor strange to say did the task now seem so distasteful to her bending lightly over him she kissed him on the lips and the sleeper made a movement as though he would fain awaken she kissed him a second time and he awoke and stared at her through his spectacles as if she were a ghost but she gathered up her courage and pressed a third kiss on his lips thereupon he arose with such haste that his glasses fell from his nose to the ground where they lay in splinters and now after so many years he beheld for the first time the bright joyous green of early spring the very colored flowers and the heavenly blue of the sky o'erhead and in the midst of all this splendor he saw a maiden as beautiful as a june rose and as slender as a lily he quickly strode to her side and returned the kisses with interest and the meadow sprite ranunculus sat upon a marsh marigold and danced for joy with the bees then he sprang down so hastily that he left the flower swaying in the breeze and went on attending to his all-important work he had indeed kept his word the professor had found his heart's ease and the miller's daughter her fate end of the meadow sprite recording by jim gallagher